Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening and welcome, folks, to another edition of Higher Ground. Chris Warren with you for the next few hours as we sink our teeth into all the big issues of the day. Thanks for your company here at SEN's very own Late Night Sports Bar. Pull up a stool, pour yourself a drink. Yeah, jump behind the bar here, pour yourself a drink, make yourself nice and comfortable, and please, as always, feel free to join the conversation. The open line is now open, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and so too is the text line. That's 0457 736 736. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Yes, indeed. Let's dive in, dive in uh, to everything that we've got to uh, to talk about tonight. Feel free, as I say, pick up the phone and, and have your say if you want to do that. Uh, where do we start? Well, look, first things first, um, rest in peace, Johnny Raper. And my sincere condolences um, go out to the Raper family. His son, Stuart, and Aaron, I, I know them both. Uh, his wife, Carol, I don't know, but the whole Raper clan, um, my thoughts are with you. Our thoughts here at SEN are with you, and I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of all of our listeners as well. Um, One of the original mortals is now gone, aged 82. Um, I didn't see Johnny Raper play. Uh, I came along in 1970, uh, just after he sort of, I guess, was retiring or at the back end of his career. But there are plenty uh, who did see the great man play. Um, The man known as Chook. Um, Many say he was not just the best of his era or the best forward. There are some that say he was the best ever. Uh, Eight straight premierships. uh, He was a part of that great St. George team in the 50s and and 60s. Eight straight after arriving at St. George in 1959. He began his career at Newtown in 57. He played a couple of seasons uh, there. Um, And he is the last surviving member of St. George's uh, four immortals, Reg Gaznier, Graham Langlands, Norm Proven, uh, who passed away in October. And, of course, he is the last surviving member of the original Immortals, uh, Gaznier, Langlands, Fulton, uh, Bobby Fulton, and Clive Churchill. Um, they say he had just a brilliant work ethic, and uh, by all accounts, he um, he played just as hard off the pitch as on the pitch, if you know what I mean. And that's the way it was. That's the way it was. Uh, played hard and and partied hard, enjoyed life. A lovable larrikin, they all say. Um, so rest in peace, um, Johnny Raper. And the Dragons will commemorate his life and also uh, that of Norm Proven um, at the club's opening home game of the 2022 NRL season. That's the Panthers on Friday, March 18, okay, at uh, out there at Cogra. I'm going to have a chat, actually, uh, well, about 9 o'clock, hopefully, all going according to plan, 
uh, to a bloke who has called more games of rugby league than he's had cups of tea. Um, a fella who has been in and around rugby league for the past five decades or more. Ray Rabs Warren uh, will join us to reflect a little bit more um, on the great Johnny Raper. So I look forward to uh, a chat with uh, with Rabs, with Dad. I haven't spoken to him for a few days. So we will do that around about nine. So stay with us uh, for that. We will also continue our series of NRL previews club by club as the new season approaches. Last week, uh, we took a closer look at Parramatta and Canberra. And tonight, the club in focus is the Chooks, or are the Chooks, the Sydney Roosters. I'll be chatting shortly to, uh, or a bit later on, to one half of Roosters Radio, my old mate Bush, and uh, we'll talk all the ins and outs, um, where they might like to improve. Um, and we tried to get hold of Bush on Monday, but things fell over. So here's a question for you guys, Roosters fans. I asked it on Monday. I'll ask it again. Uh, feel free to text or pick up the phone. After last year's horror run of misfortune for the Roosters, tell me this, Roosters fans. What does success look like for 2022? Okay, when 2022 is done and dusted, I want you to look back and say, well, what do we need to do to make it successful? And many people think you can go all the way this year and win the premiership. Um, but other than that, other than winning the premiership, I mean, we can all come up with that as a, um, a goal. I want you to give me something else that you want to see from your team, Roosters fans, from your team or from a particular player. You'd like to see something. Um, so send those text messages through, Roosters fans. 0457 736 736. And again, too, if you've if you've got a nice story or something you'd like to say uh, to the Raper family, please feel free uh, to use this show, Higher Ground, uh, to do just that. Now, cricket. Paddy Cummins faced the media today. Um, how do you think he went? This is really his first uh, test as a, a leader, I, I guess, in terms of dealing with off-field issues. What would you make of it? I think we know a bit more now, though, don't we, um, about Justin Langer's exit. Um, Langer was put in place to repair the damage done post-Cape Town, was he not? Some might say he was an agent for change. Um, and, gee, didn't, didn't he do a fine job? But the players, or at least some of them, including, it would now seem, uh, new skipper Pat Cummins, uh, believe the team needed something different going forward. There is no doubt about the level of respect Cummins has for Justin Langer, but he made it pretty clear today that he wanted a change and that he had a pretty big say in it as well. We will hear from more from uh, Pat Cummins uh, throughout the next uh, the next couple of hours. He spoke of a, a need for a more calm, composed and collaborative approach um, that Cricket Australia felt that Langer could no longer provide or certainly couldn't provide long term. But Cummins did say a few things today, right? Like this. He was a perfect man for the times. He did a fantastic job. This is Langer. Absolutely loved working with him. Thought he was brilliant. I think we've been really well schooled in the last four years by JL in how to conduct ourselves. He's got um, unimpeachable values and we're really thankful um, for that over the last four years. I think he's made us better players and better people, we know when we uh, put on the baggy green what that means and how to conduct ourselves. And so uh, therein you have it. JL was brought in to fix the culture, fix the problem, job done. But if job is done, um, should it not have been, okay, Justin Langer, thanks very much for what you've done over the past four years. You've ticked that box. We, we wanted a job to be done, a rebuild, if you like, and you've done it. So the job is done. Thank you. Farewell. Rather, 
than then offer him a six-month extension. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But what was made clear today by Pat Cummins, and good on you, Pat. You, you didn't hold back. I mean, you, you stood your ground, and, and it was coming from the heart. You and a number of the players felt with, along with Cricket Australia, that you needed a new voice. You needed something different than JL. And so there is, uh, there it all is. I, I think that's probably the last we will hear about it. Well, now we've just got to find a replacement. The Winter Olympics uh, are still enjoying that. And uh, in a nutshell, we'll talk more about it. But Aussie superstar Scotty James and teenage prodigy Valentino Gazelli, uh, as well as Olympic legend Sean White, they've all qualified for the snowboard half-pike final um, during what was a stack day today at the Winter Olympics. I do like the half-pipe of all the events. I think it's one of the most enjoyable for sort of, you know, I'm not a skier. Um, but visually, as a spectator, gee, it's exciting stuff. Um, so we'll talk a bit more about that. Cowboy is with me. We'll chat to him in a moment. But I, I want to talk through um, some of the things that Dan ain't done, uh, which is becoming a regular segment. Uh, Cowboy Dan, things he hasn't done. He hasn't skied. I know that. He certainly hasn't been down a, a half pipe. Um, but some of Scotty James, right, these are some of the moves, right? He had a, a switch backside 900. I know, sounds rude. A cab 180 double cork, a frontside 900 with tail grab, mind you, and a backside 1260 deleter grab. And after that, a frontside 1260. Boy, oh boy, any of you guys and girls tried to perform that in your sleep? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, our slalom skier, Katie Parker, she crashed out on her first run of the, the women's uh, slalom competition. Um, so there you go. But uh, Scotty James... Um, He's a character. My God, he can he can work that half pipe. So we'll talk some some uh, Winter Olympics. A whole lot for us to talk about. Again, open invitation for you to uh, to join the conversation. Uh, we might even we might pour you a complimentary beer um, if we if, if we're not run out of stock. Let's look at that fridge there. No, we're good. We're good. So one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That's the open line number and uh, the text line. Let's fire it up. Fire it up. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. This is higher ground. You bet it is. You bet it is. Come on up. Uh, there's plenty of stools there if you want to shuffle on a bit closer. You guys up the back. You're making yourself nice and comfortable. You're happy to be here. There they are. There they are. Uh, I tell you what, jam-packed audience. What happened to the COVID regulation? Dingo is Dingo in the audience? Or is he not here? Present. Hey, <laughs> he's always there. We're at dog's breath. Is he up, doggy? Good, your brother. Yes. Uh, so a couple of our regulars are here. As is our our our, our panel op extraordinaire cowboy Dan is here. Hello, mate. How uh, are you? Hello, Chris. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Uh, um, I wouldn't mind just to get a little shandy, just a, a little shandy drink? in a yeah, can okay. if you can, just to get me um. Get me started here. It's a long night. But there we go. Just pour that. Thanks, mate. Did you get yourself one? Too? Do you want Thank one? You. Yeah, of course. Of You're not course. driving. Oh, you I, don't. <laughs> I don't drive. What are the things I can't do? You, you've never driven a car. No. And here's me asking, are you driving? Yep. Yes. Okay. We might. That's becoming a regular segment. Things that Dan ain't done, Fantastic. and uh, one of which I, I confirmed the other night was that you haven't skied, so no. you haven't done snowboard half pipe. No, I any haven't. Any of that sort of stuff. Have you though? No. Nah. No, no, we'll stay away from that sort yeah. of stuff. And look, I'm a lot older than you. Yeah. I can't be doing that sort of stuff at my age. Very dangerous. Absolutely. Very, very dangerous. Um, we got loads now. Um, Raimondo Warren is yes. going to join us about nine if he's... Yep, nine o'clock. Oh, you know he goes to bed about eight, 8.30. Oh, 
Everyone's going to have to stay up a bit later. All right. Uh, hopefully that will come off, if not uh, egg on face. Uh, <laughs> we got a few guests. Uh, Bushy from, from your club, the, the Mighty Roosters. Yes. yes. Bush from, uh, what's it called? Silky and Bush. Yeah, Roosters Radio. Roosters Radio. Yeah, doing a good job. They have been for many years, actually. Have they, how long have they been doing that? Uh, I think that's been going ooh, seven, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I only yeah. met Bush last year. Well, I haven't met Bush, actually. Well, on the phone, I've met him. Does that count as a meeting? Well, these days, maybe. So Bush will jump on the line and we'll talk through some uh, Roosters issues. You might have your thoughts on that, uh, Roosters fans. Get involved with the show. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people are suggesting they might be the ones that go all the way this year. Gee, you've... You've rounded up a few guests, haven't you? Um, Andrew Menzel from Cricket Unfiltered. We'll talk to him a bit later on in the show as well. Yep. Uh, Jaleesa Apps mm. from Channel 10. Uh, and uh, she's a SEN host as well. Uh, she is. And, well, do we want to reveal what she's having for dinner again? or do we? I think we all know, don't we? Yeah. Well, Wednesday night. Well, uh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, send through a, send through a t- text it through. What do you think Jaleesa okay. Apps is having for dinner tonight? Good topic. Loves a tucker. Yes. Which is great. And I, I, I particularly like what, well, last time I spoke to her, here's a, a hint. Last time we spoke, she was having the same thing. Last Wednesday. And it was in a pub. Mm. And she was talking to us from the the, the the smoking lounge. Recovering from COVID, which probably wasn't the best She was idea. recovering from mm. COVID in the smoking lounge because she wanted to get somewhere quiet to talk to us. And uh, she got kicked out. She did. She got kicked out of the smoking lounge. For not smoking. Yes. Mm. Oh, no, you can't no. do that. <laughs> no, I don't anyway, do that. Uh, she went and dived into a lovely meal, and she's doing exactly the same tonight at a different pub, and mm. uh, it's the same meal. What meal do you think that would be? Zach Bailey from NRL.com. Uh, he's been right across the uh, the All-Stars. He's been to the training sessions, and um, today they had a media yep. session there. So he spoke to a few of the boys there. We might just pick Zach's brain. Um, just, a, well, a few days out now, isn't it, from um, the first Rugby League match of the new season. That kicks off on Saturday night at Combank Stadium at Parramatta. So there you go. It's a jam-packed show. Um but the topics, if, if you want to get involved, as I said earlier, how do you think Paddy Cummins handled himself today? Um, I think it's cleared, it's cleared things up um, as to the level of involvement that Cummins as captain and the broader playing group actually had in Justin Langer's dismissal. Well, it was a resignation, but you know what I mean. And he was quite clear about it today that, yes, he was consulted. They were all consulted and uh, it was, uh, well... Not just their decision, but they had a lot to say. Big input into the removal of Coach Justin Langer. So uh, it used to be a case of coach selecting players. And uh, in the modern world we live in, uh, the players are selecting the coach. Is it right? Is it wrong? Or is it just uh, the times that we are living in? I think with cricket, it's probably a little different, the role of coach uh, plays compared to say rugby league or or, or a league or, or or super rugby, I don't know, I don't know. But uh, I, I guess the coaching cricket doesn't have his hands across all the things on a day to day basis. Uh, but JL sounds like he wanted to be that a more collaborative environment they're looking for. Yeah, some of those words that Paddy came out with like unimpeachable and collaborative. Uh, I know he's probably pretty well educated, but I 
just sense that might have been coming from the media office. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, you might have your thoughts on all of that. Willow from Windsor, I'll read your text out uh, shortly. We better take a break because uh, we've got loads of guests jammed into uh, the next few hours. And the back hour of the show, we'll go back and we'll replay a couple of uh, good interviews from uh, today uh, on SEN. So we better get to the break and uh, back with more. Yeah, I think, first of all, there's so many positives to, to what Dale's brought to the table. Um, he's a perfect man for the times. Uh, he did a fantastic job. Um, absolutely loved working with him. Thought he was brilliant. Um, but I, I think you know, some of these skill sets are a little bit different to, to perhaps his um, traditional coaching style. And I think he tweaked his coaching style in the last six months. did a really, really good job. Um, but we think it's you know, now's the right time for a different direction and... Yeah, it's a matter of opinion, but we think it's the right one. I'd say I, I don't think it should be a surprise, though. It's, you know, it's been two years of evaluations in our environment at Cricket Australia. It's, I mean, it's probably pretty boring, but we get 360 reviewed all the time. So um, we get our strengths and weaknesses. Um, Hope, prodded, always trying to learn on it. So, um, yeah, I think it's become more public probably in the last week or two, but I don't think it's, there's any big surprise. There he is speaking today, Pat Cummins. He faced uh, the media. Um, I think uh, we're all happy that that has happened. Um, he's copped a fair bit in recent days. Former players have come out swinging um, against Cricket Australia and and some of them saying, Pat, you need to step forward as well. Um, Mitchell Johnson was one that came out and, 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 and really gave it to Pat Cummins. So he spoke today and I think one thing is, is, is really clear that came out uh, from that uh, and that is that Pat Cummins himself and the players had quite a big say in whether Justin Langer would remain or whether he would go. From Channel 10, and uh, also uh, you're hearing more and more of her these days on SEN, Jaleesa Apps is joining us, and guess where? She's at a pub and she's just dived into another schnitty. Good, e- <laughs> Good evening, Jaleesa. Hello. I know it sounds like every time I talk to you that I have a really exciting social life, but I really don't. Before <laughs> I'm just happy you happen to catch me when I'm eating palmies. <laughs> yeah, well, look, look, and you sent me a pic before we talk about Pat Cummins. Let, let, let's get this off the table. You sent me a, be- no, a beautiful p- yeah, picture of this parmigiana, <laughs> chicken parmigiana. Uh, I like it. And they've rested it. So it's covered in the cheese, obviously. They've rested it on some, some fries as well, some sh- shoestring fries. And then they, they do this, don't they? They throw on these, oh, they, they, they can't call themselves lettuce leaves, these these green things, they just throw them on the side there. It's not a salad. It's more of a garnish. But do you feel that the meal is a healthier option with those green things thrown on there? Uh, I don't know what it is. I'm not game enough to taste it. I haven't. don't trust it. Um, just don't know what's going on. Would rather just steer clear of it and uh, yeah. get the palmy and the fries, make uh, sure I can fit all that in. And the, the Diet Coke. And the Diet the diet Coke. There you go. You got Good to, balance. That's a balanced diet, yeah. Stuff the palmy down there and go the diet. There's another There's another plate there too with it looks like a, a, a scotch fillet or a fillet steak with some fries as well. And I see that they've, they've thrown some um, fake lettuce on there as well, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't imagine anyone's eating that. I'm in a group of people, and I don't think any of us are interested in whatever's no. going on with that green stuff. All right. Well, let's go from that fake green stuff on those plates uh, to uh, to the to the green stuff, <laughs> the wickets, um, and and all that is cricket. It's been a big day for Pat Cummins. So, firstly, mm. how do you think he's handled himself? Uh, I thought he handled himself today really well. It, uh, he spoke out um, at 
Sydney Olympic Park where there was a training. Obviously, they've got the Sri Lankan series coming up, the T20 series, and also the Tour of Pakistan. Um, it's hard to believe there's actual cricket going on. We yeah. haven't really been talking about it. We've been talking about everything that's off the field. Um, but I thought Pat handled himself perfectly today. I, I thought it was with a lot of class, but also a lot of difficult honesty um, was sort of how I would assess it. Mm. He was pretty upfront about the fact that, yeah, it was a little bit player driven. Like they didn't, they thought that needed a new direction. And I feel like the players and Pat himself have been really unfairly labeled because their job is to give feedback and see and, and see where cricket Australia should now take this next era. Mm. And they were honest in their feedback. It, they, they don't have anything to do with um, how Cricket Australia have then handled this um, situation, which been, has been abhorrent. And I think, unfortunately, the players and Pat Cummins have been the face of that, which has been really unfair. But Pat was really honest in his assessment. He said, JL was, uh, was great mm. for the, what we needed at the time, but now it's time for someone with a little bit more of a collaborative and calm approach, which feels very Andrew McDonald, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that also feels a little bit uh, sort of maybe. Uh, maybe it's a cynic in me scripted from the, the press office. I don't know. Um, are they sort of words you would you would normally use? Collaborative and um, unimpeachable too. Unimpeachable. Um, yeah, true. Anyway, so yeah, look, he, he made it clear. Like, there's no there's no hiding it that Pat really does respect big time Justin Langer. But as you say, it was very much um, player. Driven. Um, so those I thought, that... Um, I thought props to Pat for also just being honest about the fact that now after the fact he's been honest He and sort of he stayed very diplomatic in the process before it, while it was going on, which you can understand. But now he's been really honest with the public. And it, yeah, okay, this was a bit player-driven. When it could have would have been really easy for him to just go... Oh, uh, you know, that mm. wasn't my decision. That was above my pay grade. All the, you know, yeah. stuff that they all say all the time. But it props to him for actually being honest and go, yeah, it was player driven. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie about that. Mm. And and so another thing that, that's come out from all this now that we know Justin Langer, and, and as Pat said today, he was a perfect man for the times. He did a fantastic job. Um, but blah, blah, blah. We don't think that he can, um, you know, sustain that. Um so, you know, let, let, let's call it as it is. I mean, what is it about Justin Langer? We, we know he was too intense or what, did he make them work too hard? I mean, what was the main beef, do you reckon? I think it wasn't just the intensity around the players, but also around staff as well. Like there was that um, a few months ago, I don't you know if you remember that there was um, that blow up about um, a cricket.com putting dotcom.au, so Australian-based mm. cricket website um, run by Cricket Australia, but it is independent in its journalists and everything had put mm. up like the Bangladesh team song after they won and Justin uh, blew up about that, which I thought was really poor. Like, if you don't want to hear the team song, then win. And you know, like that's an independent journal web, mm. journalist website. You can't really tell them what to do. Um, and so I think it was more than just like the staff around it and obviously things that Malcon has written, he's been um, pretty revealing in what has happened when he was media manager and things that Justin would get angry about. Um, mm. So I, I feel like it's not probably not, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> not just players, but also 
the staff around. But obviously with players too, he's probably given everyone a bit of a kick up the backside when they're not performing. And you saw that. I don't know if you watched it, Chris, mm. um, the test on Amazon. Oh, and I, you saw snippets, um, yeah. Usman. Yes. Yeah. So the exchange between him and Usman, which uh, funnily enough, everyone took that as like, they must have a really fractured relationship. But I actually thought they must be really close for Usman to be able to say yeah, that, him, to yeah. be able to come back at him. Mm. And yeah, I, and Usman was very defensive of him yesterday too. He was like, I love JL, like, you know, mm. and I haven't been around the team for two years, so I'm not going to assess whether he needed to be there or not. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I think it's just an all round, they needed that kind of intensity at the time. And now probably everyone's feeling maybe a little suffocated and a little micromanaged. Mm. And, you know, it's just, I, I think he's done a great job over four years, but it, when I feel like when captains change too, you probably do need a new coach. At the same, yeah, that's maybe maybe a point too. So we know that you know, he was brought in to fix the, the you know damage control, rebuild the reputation, rebuild the trust of the public for the Australian cricket team, all that sort of stuff, and he's done that. Um, okay, too intense, changed his ways, and and Pat said today, look, and and it was a big improvement as well. But my question is. Um, See, Cricket Australia still don't come out of this looking ter- terribly great. The reason past, oh, past players came out you know, slamming the governing body was the fact that they were prepared to offer him a six-month contract extension. You know, if, if he's done his job... That was pathetic. Well, that's, that, that's right. So if he's done his job, which was to uh, be an agent for change, if you like, fix all that, here's four years for you to do it, they should have just said, thank you, mate, you've done your job really well. And now we're moving on rather than throw that, that pathetic offer at him. Absolutely pathetic. And what could he achieve by taking that on? Like if he knows, okay, six months, they clearly want to get rid of me. And this is a PR exercise um, before they do. Like I just thought the six months was just so insulting. And what did, what did you expect like him to do? Of course he was going to walk away. And I'm glad for his sake that he did. Um and I will obviously walk into whatever coaching job that he wants. But the way that Cricket Australia have handled this, I think even if you're not a Justin Langer fan, I think everybody can say this has been so poorly. Um, he's been so poorly treated um, during this in six months. Like, what a joke. When, that, when I first read that, I thought that can't be true. And then when they confirmed it, I thought, oh, my goodness. what? How are you tr- even mm. the optics of this? How do you think this is going to look? Yeah. Well, I agree with you, Pat. I think Pat Cummins came out looking good today, and and you you touched on it before. Um, difficult honesty was the way you described it aptly, I think. So, um, I don't think you know Pat's lost any fans, and he's he's probably gained some. And I, I like the ways, uh, the early days as as the captain. Now, I am uh, letting in a little secret here. I don't know that it's been revealed anywhere. This might be a bit of a scoop. Would I be oh, right, right in saying that uh, you're joining the SEN commentary team for the All-Stars match this weekend? I am. I'm really excited. First of all, I'm really excited because football is back. And that's just, you know, when you get this time of year and you see the All-Stars and the trials and it just kind of gets you a little bit pumped about the season. So that's exciting. And I'm also ex- excited to be out there. I think I'm out there with Joel and Jimmy. Perhaps. Yeah, I believe so, you are. Um, one good bloke and one dodgy one. I'll let you decide. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. <laughs> I, um, so where will you nah, be? Will you be up there in the box or on the sideline? What are they, no, they, they, they giving you riding, giving you riding instructions yet? 
I think I'm on the sideline, but uh, I'm to be to be confirmed. CBC. Maybe this is a bit of a teaser. This is like a playoff, you know. CBC. Stay tuned. Yes. Well, you could always go um, play by play and throw Jimmy down the sideline, or Joel. Oh. <laughs> How do you reckon Jimmy? I might, I might suggest that just for fun. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. All right, mate. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Look forward to that. I'll, I'll be tuning in on Saturday, okay, um, for the Yes. Yeah. Now, I noticed on the Twitter that Rabs is on. Was he on before me? I want to catch up on He's the... on. Well, if he hasn't gone to bed, he's going to join us about nine. Oh, okay. I'll, I've Will you be up? Time to listen. I've got. To, I'll have to have time to listen. When I was at nine, when I used to run into him in the, I'm not telling you anything new because he's your dad. But when I used to run into him in the hallway, would have had hallway, would have had absolutely no idea who I was. But he was just the nicest man, oh, and just I just loved having chats with him just about random things. He was so lovely. Isn't that nice, eh? Isn't that nice? that's funny? <laughs> we, um, uh, uh, Chloe Amanda Bailey uh, has joined us from time to time as well, and she she says the same sort of thing. So there you go. It must be true. Lovely man is Rabs, oh. and no, of course he is. So, hopefully, uh, he hasn't fallen asleep and has remembered that we're we're going to give him a call. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jaleesa, and uh, thanks also for sending that that picture of the schnitty through. My absolute pleasure. Good stuff. Talk talk soon. There she is, Jaleesa Apps. Um, well, she's becoming part of the furniture around this uh, radio network. Is Jaleesa? And she'll be part of the All-Stars commentary team on Saturday out there at, Param- at Combank Stadium, Parramatta. So good for her. That's great. Great news. Um, I don't think Jimmy would like to go down to the sideline. No. Well, he might want to give it a try. He's open to new ideas. Well, Joel could go down. Yeah, he yeah. could too. Yeah. Maybe they could share it. Well, funnily enough, right, talk about sideline. Mm. And uh, Parramatta Stadium, or Combank Stadium, formerly Parramatta yep. Stadium, yep. Pertex Stadium, mm. what else has it been called, whatever, Way back when, before it was there, mm. and it was Cumberland Oval, this is before you were, you were even born. No, no. So there's another thing you haven't done. You haven't gone to Cumberland Oval. <laughs> so I used to tag along with my dad. I was only a little kid. Oh, I would have been, oh, I don't know, six, seven, mm. eight, nine. Mm. And they used to call down on the sideline. They didn't call from up no, in the grandstand. Yeah. They actually called, and you know, the great Frank Hyde was there. They'd pull out a card table. And Rab's pulled out his own card table, mm. and Frank would be next to him with his card table, you know, and a little like a camping table, mm. fold out. Um, and I, I used to, so this is right up on the sideline. That's where they'd call the game from. Yeah, yep. So you can hardly see any of it, mm. and particularly those ovals like Cumberland. They're you know, a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit curved. Hilly. Yeah, well, hilly. slight mounders, yeah. all cricket mm. sort of ovals, sort of are, you know. Mm. So over in the far corner, you got you can hardly see them, mm. you know. So that's where they, they called it from. And I used to sit, Dad would allow me from time to time, uh, if it was raining, yeah. um, I'd just crawl underneath the table and watch the footy from there. Are you suggesting Jimmy Smith, Joel Kane, and Jaleesa Apps call from the sideline? They could bring out they the card could. table. That's a good idea. Like Rabs and, and, mm. and Frank Hyde used to do. Great way to start the year. I don't know that they'd be allowed to. No. Uh, COVID and all that sort of stuff. Maybe. Yeah, interesting. Mm. All right, uh, we're just rambling on there a little bit. We better take a break, yes. shall we? Uh, we're going to talk some more cricket Correct. after the break. Yes, it is higher ground. Great to have your company tonight. We're here uh, up until 11 o'clock um, Eastern Daylight Time here in Correct. Sydney. Uh, so uh, we're here till 10 o'clock in, on the Gold Coast. Welcome to our listeners up there too, by the Hello. way. Uh, they, they are tuning in, I'm sure, 16.20 on the Gold Coast or via SENQ app. You could be listening anywhere, actually, via the app. Um, shoot me a text and let me know where you are. 
where you are listening to us from, um, or if you want to talk about, you might want to weigh into the uh, discussion around Pat Cummins. How do you think he handled himself today? A, a big off-field test, you might say. You might like to send your uh, condolences on to the Raper family today as well, uh, the passing of uh, Johnny Raper, uh, or anything really. Got to be loosely related to sport. Um, if you wanted me to ask Dan uh, something, has he done? Uh, which is our segment, a growing list of things that Dan, our producer, Cowboy Dan, has not Dan, uh, done. Dan ain't done. For example, he has never driven a car. Uh, he's 30 something, right? He has never driven a car. He has never surfed. He has never um, held a fishing rod. And it goes on and on and on. Have you, Dan, can I ask you, because yes. um, have you ever stolen anything? No. No. So that's another one, has no. not stolen. But that's. A good thing that I haven't stolen. I know. Would yeah. this? I've just done something a bit naughty. What have you done? I I've never really stolen anything either. Oh no. But I went to Coles today, and with the shop, I don't have a shopping list. And one of the main things I wanted to get was um, some tea bags. Yep. Yep. And I've bloody got a whole heap of other stuff, and I forgot the tea bags. Does that happen to you, our listeners, as well? You go to Coles or Woolies, and and you you, you go there for one thing and get a whole heap of other stuff, yes. and you forget the one thing you go. Yep. That Is happens. that just me? That can happen. Yep. So I've come home without the tea bags, and I drink probably I don't know six more cups a day That's of a tea. I, I just yep. stole a few tea bags from the kitchen out there. Oh dear. Well, I wouldn't need them. Is that is that theft? Half a dozen tea bags. I'm going to take them home. So and I'm sure no one will notice. I'll replace them. I'll, I'll, yeah, you'll do the right thing. I'll replace them. I wouldn't need them because I don't and drink don't, tea. You, you've never drunk tea? I have had a Okay, sip, so that's not on the yeah. list. Don't tell anyone no, I that won't. we've just had this no, conversation. Of just between you and me. Andrew Menzel from Cricket Unfiltered uh, is now joining us. We're going to talk some more th- things cricket. Um, I, I Look, being a, a cricket aficionado, uh, Menz, you, you, you'd be a big tea drinker, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'll have a good cup of tea. Just smash one before I jumped on. I'm glad we're doing this chat before you get locked up for your tea theft. We better get it out of the way before security rushes in. So yeah, let's go. Uh, petty theft. Sorry. Very good. Yeah, she well liked that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's talk cricket. Um, how do you handle himself, Paddy Cummins, today? In your opinion? Yeah, I thought he was um, very good. I thought he stood his ground. I thought he was very clear in his messaging very respectful and I think it's still a little bit of a culture clash in Australian cricket with the old and the new guard and um, look, Cummins will be judged on how the team goes over the next couple of years without JL you know he wants this cool relaxed vibe around the dressing room well let's see uh, the results on the field what we do know, Andrew, after today um, is actually you know, the the scope that the playing squad had in um, the decision to um, well, not terminate, but to offer him only a six-month extension. And it was, they had their hands all over it, we now know. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like the team and the leadership group um, in the white ball and the red ball set up were very clear that they thought they needed a new coach. And Nick Hockley, the Cricket Australia CEO, has backed up the players. And, um, you know, whether you agree, whether you agree or disagree with the decision, it was poorly handled, but... Oh, look, I think Pat Cummins today, at least he was up front. He owned it. He he didn't shy away from it. Uh, he, he still paid respect to the former cricketers. And I think he's a leader, Cummins. So I hope his style and the way he wants the dressing room to be is effective. Um, he's done everything right so far, Cummins. But, um, you know, he's had a, it's been a pretty, you know, that was, he said at the end of his press conference, oh, the mm. feeling around the, the dressing room is great at the moment. Well, you've just won the World Cup. You've just smashed England. Let, let's see how you go in a year's time when you're playing in some tough conditions. Well, see, this is the thing, right? This is the, the conundrum, if you, if you like. So 
um, there's nothing more that Justin Langer could have done in terms of, you know, um, a list of, oh, let's call them key performance indicators. There's not much more that he could have done. You've just rattled off a couple there and wisdom coach of the year. The team returns to number one. They win the World Cup. They win the Ashes. Yeah, I could go on, right? So there's not a whole lot more he could do. Mm. Um, and they are now number one in the world. So, um, but on the flip side, there's a bit of a fractured dressing room and the players are a little bit unhappy with the way the coach goes about things. Now, here's the other scenario, right? Eh? We bring in a new coach um, and his list of achievements pale in comparison to what Langer has just achieved. I'm just sort of futuring this. Let's roll forward a couple of years. And sorry, folks, um, we're now ranked number three or four in the world. But I tell you what, this change room, this dressing room of players, my God, there's a good feeling amongst this group. Is that what they want? <laughs> Well, I mean, that's right. And that, that's how I think history will judge what's happened in the last week in a couple of years. If the team goes on and gets better and better and they, they keep winning and Cummins builds a great legacy as a leader, then I think we'll look back and go, maybe we were wrong to, to doubt him. But as you say, the other scenario could play out that results don't go that way. And uh, maybe this decision does look a bit silly. Um, so a list of potential replacements. I don't know how far down the track they are. Um, Andrew McDonald obviously taking the reins now. Long term, um, long term, what do you think will happen with the coaching appointment? Yeah, I read some comments by Jason Gillespie where he was, you know, only sort of lukewarm sort of interest about the position. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if we'll see Jason Gillespie, you know, jumping up to be the Australian coach after what's happened in the last year. Um, but I think Trevor Bayliss might be one uh, to consider. Uh, he's um, you know heavily involved with Penrith Cricket Club, so is Pat Cummins. So yes. there's a, a link there. Um, I was out at Penrith Cricket Club recently commentating, and Bayliss yeah. was there. Um, so he's still you know around the scenes, and he's a more relaxed character, and he's a fantastic coach, and and has worked with a lot of these Blues plays in the side. So maybe he'll slip in there. Mm. Um, but you know that's one of the things about Langer. There's, there's no, not many coaches around the scene that want to jump into the job. You know, the great ones like Ricky Ponting, they just want the, the cash at the IPL for six weeks and then spend yeah. time with their family. Well, you can't blame them, can you? I mean, who would who would be uh, a coach? But, you know, it, it's good, good coin. You talk about, about Absolutely. Trevor, yeah, Trevor Bayless. So he coached Sri Lanka as well, didn't he? Talking of, of Sri Lanka. So that all... Um, you could be forgiven um, not to realise that there's a, there's a series coming up starting in just a couple of days. Yeah, a T20 series against Sri Lanka, two matches at the SCG on Friday and Sunday to kick things off. And, you know, it's the beginning of Australia's World Cup defence. Um, you know, I saw Daniel Sams was called into the squad in the last few days. Um, so, yeah, look, it's an important series because, uh, you know, we've got to do well defending the Cup. But you're right, it's sort of flown under the radar. Everything's sort of been taken over by the coaching drama. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to the series against Sri Lanka. I, I expect Australia to do very well. Yeah, so that all starts on Friday, the the, the first of uh, three. That's uh, no, five, isn't it? Yeah, five. It's five, yeah. Uh, is that too long, do you reckon, having five T20s? Oh, I think if Sri Lanka is going to come all this way, yeah. they're going to play that many. So I, I don't mind. With with bearing in mind there's a World Cup year, I think it's good that we get a few yeah. matches at home to try a few combinations. And uh, look, there hasn't been much white ball international cricket this summer. Mm. It's not the one day is being called off. So it's good we're getting something. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be good to be talking about um, 
cricket again and, and not the other stuff that, that's going on around it. And then, of course, so Mar- March, we tour Pakistan. Um, wow. Uh, first time in a long, long, long time. So what's happening on the, on the squad for, for that, the player front? Yeah, no surprises. They've stuck with the, the team and the squad that um, was successful during the Ashes. Uh, I guess the big one is Jai Richardson is not going to Pakistan. Um, and they've brought in, you know, Mitch Swepson, Ashton Agar as the two spinners um, to back up um, Nathan Lyon. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, I did note that George Bailey said yesterday the two reserve batters, should something happen in the next couple of weeks, like a, a player gets COVID or gets mm. injured, that Matt Renshaw and Nick Maddinson are next in line, which is really interesting because they're two players who both had a, a taste of test cricket and have a lot of test runs in them, I think. So, you know, Marcus Harris hasn't locked up that opening spot. Um, he's, you know, he's still in the squad to Pakistan, but, you know, mm. Renshaw and Maddinson are breathing down the neck. But, yeah, going to be a great tour. Scotty Boland's going, just keeps taking wickets. So, um, you know, he'll probably have a ripping tour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it'll be Pat Cummins' first test as a, a touring skipper. All right. Okay, mate. Well, um, I appreciate you jumping on the line, Andrew. Um, really appreciate the chat, um, and we'll look ahead to uh, the game on Friday and then and that tour of Pakistan. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers. There is. Uh, thank you. Andrew Menzel from Cricket Unfiltered, that podcast. You can get that wherever you get all your good podcasts. We uh, better take a break. Uh, we've got quite a few a few things to get through. Uh, keep those texts coming through as well. Um, I will get to them and yours as well, Reptile. We'll do it next. I hope you're well. hope you've enjoyed your day. Had a, had a nice day, a sad day for rugby league with the passing of uh, the great Johnny Raper, one of the original immortals. Uh, and again, our thoughts uh, go out to the Raper family. Um, don't know them well. No, Stuart pretty well. Did a fair bit of work with him over in the UK when he was over there for... An extended period, and uh, Aaron, I've met a couple of times as well. But uh, to you boys, um, our thoughts with you, um, and uh, wife Carol as well. Uh, they say just uh, an amazing, an amazing player. Uh, played above his weight and uh, certainly enjoyed himself um, away from football as well. You might have your thoughts on Johnny Raper uh, or anything else uh, to do with sport. Uh, evening, Chris, the demigod of Evening radio. You know exactly who this is coming from when they uh, start pumping your tyres up in the very first line. And I look down to the bottom. It is the reptile. Good evening to you, um, you great reptilian, you. Uh, RIP, um, the great Chook. Big loss today. On a better note, can't wait to see um, the mighty mighty bunnies in action. Uh, Well, not too far now away is the start of the NRL season. And uh, you'll see a few in action. Um. No Latrell Mitchell, but you'll see his brother and, and there's a couple of other bunnies in action too in the All-Stars yep. match on Saturday, which you will be able to listen to right here on SEN 1170. Uh, Dan ain't done. So, Cowboy Dan, there's lots of stuff he hasn't done. And I've just recently found out that he's never stolen, which is very, very good for any of you kids listening. Mm. Um, we don't want any tea leaves in our industry. No. But I just stole some tea bags. That's all right. So I'm just letting um, Hutchie know. But you're I, I took six. I, I borrowed six tea bags. Yeah. But I will replace them. But you'll replace them on Sunday. Is there CCTV out there in the kitchen? I've never checked. Probably. Right, I'll replace them anyway. I'll of bring in a whole box. All right. Now stick around. Loads more to come um, on this edition of Higher Ground. Keep those text messages uh, coming through and uh, we'll get through as many as we possibly can. Up next, though, uh, I'm going to talk to my dad, Ray Rabes Warren, and uh, reflect on the life and times of the great Johnny Raper. 
never show them the Ghibli, not even on the field or off the field. Started off when I was at school, as you know, the name Raper is uh, open to all criticism, and I used to run home to my father and mother and absolutely cried, and I said, Mum, I'm going to make our name the most famous name in the world. Your, your supporters follow you everywhere, and you, you pack a, a football ground, and uh, you, you run out there and you say, well, I'm not going to come off this field today and disappoint you people. I came from St George, from Newtown, and I had a, a good coach there, and uh, it was Dickie Pill, and Frank Faisal saw me play one day against St George, and uh, as I come out of the dressing room, he said, I want to see you, lad. He said, up the car park, and I said, God, what's this bloke want to do? You know, I said, we, we <laughs> lost today, we never won, I, don't, I got no money in my pocket. And he said, how'd you like to play with that pack of forwards? I said, Frank, I said, I'd love to play that pack of forwards. He said, you'll be playing there next year. And then he came down during the week and uh, we signed a, a contract and I went over to St George and probably the best move I ever made. St George win 23 to four, taking their 11th successive premiership, a world record in any code of football. The man they call Chook, Johnny Raper, is elevated to legend in the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Raper. Going on a stamp, I was absolutely thrilled. All those famous sports people that have done the ultimate for Australia, to be placed in amongst them, is such a, such a great honour. Really believe me, such a great honour. Well, as we've already touched on, it's been uh, well, a really sad day uh, in rugby league with the passing of the great Johnny Raper. I thought we'd get someone on the phone that uh, has been around rugby league for, I don't know, about five decades. And uh, immediately, you would probably think the voice of rugby league uh, may well have called Johnny Raper way back in the day. But that, in fact, is not the case. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, our next guest on Higher Ground Certainly knew Johnny Raper pretty well and has seen a whole lot of highlights um, of the great man himself. Joining us is Ray Warren. Good evening, Dad. G'day. How you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm right in saying that, aren't I? Um, so he he would have just finished his career, I guess, Johnny Raper, as, as you were, were starting your career in, in broadcasting. Yeah, I think you're right. I came from the country in 69... Uh, and John retired in 68 from Sydney football and went to West Newcastle prior to going to Curry Curry. Um, so, no, I never got a chance to call him, not in my memory. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I used to see a lot of him, not necessarily via television, because mum and dad couldn't afford a television, to be honest with you. Um, but at the, at the local theatre, you'd see the, the sports news on the whatever they called it, the Cine Sound uh, replays or whatever. And I, I, knew, I knew I was watching something special, yeah. 
Um, you, uh, well, you got to know um, the late Frank Hyde quite well. Um, and uh, I don't know if there's ever been anyone as good as, as Frank Hyde. Frank was part of the panel, I believe, was he not? Um, when they um, inducted the original Immortals. So he, he knew Johnny very well and had seen a lot of him and uh, spoke oh so, so highly about Shook. Yeah, no, that... That's probably the strongest uh, recommendation you can get uh, from a man uh, like Frank Hyde. Um, and John was with Clive Churchill and, and Bobby and Reg uh, for the initial induc- uh, in, induction of um, the Immortals mm. way, way back. But uh, I used to travel around the world, basically, with Frank, and we became quite... Uh, you know, we became quite close, and some of us, uh, some of us younger commentators would talk about him and him and him. But Frank would just pull you into line and say, "Mate, mm. please, there's never been anybody better than Johnny Raper." Um, he was absolutely fixated, really, in his view. And you know what? Um, I just wish I had been around to watch more of him. But uh, Frank Hyde rated him as the best footballer ever. And don't forget, Frank called for a number of years after he made, you know, he made that declaration. Mm. So you you would have gone on a number of kangaroo tours. Well, I know you went on a number of sort of kangaroo tours um, very early in your, your broadcasting career. How, how old were you when you went on a couple of those tours? Um, Chris, I, I, I think, well, the first, they called it a tour, uh, was New Zealand in 71. And then I went to... Uh, England and France, I think it was, in 73, and then back again there in 75. And um, that, that's where I got close to people like Frank Hyde and Tiger Black mm. and Alan Marks and John O'Reilly and all those sort of people. And, you know, you, you come to respect those people and you respect their opinion. And that's, that's primarily why I, I wanted to say that if Frank is able to hear me, he'd be proud that I, mm. I've mentioned the fact that Frank Hyde wouldn't listen to anybody talking about anybody other than Johnny Raper as the best ever. Yeah, bestie, bestie scene, Frank Hyde. Um, the Dragons, by the they will commemorate the, the life and career of uh, both Johnny Raper and Norm Proven, uh, who passed away in October last year. They're going to do that at the club's opening home game of, uh, of the NRL season. Uh, against the Panthers on March 18, I think that is, at Cogra. It's been a disappointing, well, not disappointing, it's been in terms of losing greats of the game. Um, we've lost a few, haven't we, in the past 12 months? Tommy, Bozo, Norm, and now and now Johnny. I mean, look, I know it's inevitable. It happens to all of us at some point. Um, yeah. But I guess four greats of the game in, in such a, a short space of time. Yeah, look, it's happening too frequently. I think that's uh, that's appropriate to say that it, it's very sad that you know we just lost Bozo and and now we've lost um, Johnny um, Clive of course went some years ago and so did Reg and I was given the um, the honour of um, comparing the tribute at uh, Cogra mm. uh, for Reg um, and, and deep down it'd be nice to do it'd be nice to do the same thing for, for Johnny and Norm but. That's that's up to the St George Club, but mm. I, I'm just I'm so sad. I'm so sad in that people don't realise how close um, our family uh, grew um, with John Raper. Uh, your uncle, my brother, uh, played with John. 
um, in 1957 at Newtown. Um, and they were great friends. They were, they were both policemen. Mm. Uh, John was an 18-year-old um, coming, uh, coming into grade when he was 18 at Newtown. And uh, Bob, that's my brother, um, he, he got his, his nose into Newtown and he was, he was very good. But he was in, mainly in reserve grade. But he got to play with John in 1957, which is a great achievement. And it's, um, it's wonderful to think about that tonight, really. Funny, isn't it? Well, they, they, they could, they could, Chris. They could well be having a big, big, big party up there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, well, I say it's funny. It's not funny, but I mean, you would think I'd known that. I, I didn't know Uncle Bob played with Johnny Raper until we had that conversation uh, before we came uh, on air tonight. So, um, yeah. Well, what about that? Hey, uh, Jack Gibson's another who spoke really highly um, of of the style of player that, that Johnny Raper was. And again, so yeah, this is me. I haven't, I never saw him play obviously live in the, in the flesh. I was only born in, in 1970, but some of the, the adjectives he uses was gritty, tough, talented. Um, and he says no player trained harder than Johnny Raper. He almost invented um, the way the modern day professional trains. Yeah, you're right, uh, but you've got to also understand, and I, I don't think I'm out of order in saying that he, he really lived life to the full. Um, yes. I, I don't know that Johnny would have knocked back a schooner uh, on, the, on the eve of a, a test match or a, even a grand final. As he knocked back, uh, refused, or as he knocked back, um, consumed? <laughs> I think he might have consumed a couple. I yeah. mean, this is a very, very incredible athlete. Uh, he was able to basically do the things he wanted to do, but he would still uh, prepare himself as well as he could uh, to play football. I remember reading um, Carol, his wife. Mm. Uh, she reckoned that sometimes um, driving home in the car, he would say, stop the car, and he would run the last five kilometres home. <laughs> And sometimes with the kids with him, they'd be leaning out the back window saying, come on, Dad, keep going, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he loved life. He loved people. Uh, there was never a function held by rugby league that I can remember as as a bloke that often was compared, that he and Carol were not there. Um, whether he owed it to the game or whether he just enjoyed that sort of life, I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, just going to that function, he'd never knock back going into a function. Uh, and, you know, it was obviously very generous with his time too, but, uh, you know, post-playing. Well, there's never been a function held by the rugby league, and I, I don't think there's ever been a function for charity that John Raper and Carol, I, I emphasise John Raper and Carol, um, would have been at the function. Um, yes, he enjoyed life and all the rest of it, he enjoyed people's company, but whether whether he was there because he thought he owed it to the game, I, I'm not quite sure of all those facts because um, I, I didn't know him all that well, but every time I, I bumped him, uh, he wanted to talk. He wanted to be friends, and mm. he, was, he was a beautiful person. Um, and it was it was humbling even to be in the company of John Raper, given what I, do, what I told you earlier about Frank Hyde's assessment of him, you know. Old Frank, he just said, uh, you know, Rabs, mate, forget about him, forget about him, forget about him. Raper is the best there's ever been. Mm. 
fair stamp of approval. Well, uh, Ray, thanks for staying up and joining us on Higher Ground and uh, a walk down memory lane um, on a sad day, particularly for the Raper family. And again, our, our, our condolences are extended to, uh, to them. Uh, thanks for your time on Higher Ground. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks, mate. The only thing I didn't touch on was the bowler hat. Um, yes. Was it him or not? And I, won't, I won't keep you, but he dined out on the fact that he was the bowler hat man. Um, and people wanted to run around with stories about Raper and the bowler hat. But a fellow called, I think it was called a fellow called Monteith or something like that. He eventually came out and put his hand up and he said, I was the man that did the full Monty. Yes. And that was the way you pronounced his name, I think. Um, the, the full Monty. Um, Maybe that's where he, it comes he from. Sunk, he, he, he sunk uh, Johnny's story of being the bowler hat man, uh, as far as I know. I, I don't know what well, I don't know what uh, the future's going to provide. No. All right. Okay. Well, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you cleared that up as well. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. There is uh, Ray Warren uh, staying up past his bedtime to uh, to join us on SEN 1170. Uh, there you go. Um, I didn't know my own uncle, Bob. Uh, God rest his soul, was uh, really good mates with uh, Johnny Raper. All righty, we'll crack on. Keep involved with the show. Send those text messages through 0457 736 736. Yes, it is. Great to have your company, and uh, I hope you enjoyed that uh, that chat there uh, with Rabs. Uh, just uh, some memories from, I guess, a different angle uh, about the late, great uh, Johnny Raper and that, that bowler hat story. If you're not quite sure what uh, Ray was talking about there, well, you, you know, there is a book even out, uh, The Man in the Bowler Hat, uh, 1967, I think the tour was, and I don't know. depends on who you listen to, but in Yorkshire, I think it's Ilkley Moore, and um, so it's reported that a, a kangaroo's player um, basically walked down the street with nothing more than a bowler hat on. Um, so um, there you go. And, and Chook, I think, um, put his hand up saying it was him, and then he even conducted some supporters' tours in later years. I think they called it the Bowler Hat Supporters' Tours and all that sort of stuff. Uh, a funny man was, uh, was Johnny Raper. Uh, joining us on the line now... Um, from NRL.com and uh, talking about funny man, this guy, he, he talking about bowler hats. This guy wears all sorts of hats. Um, the Zach Bailey, he, he obviously works for NRL.com, but he, he works with Penrith Panthers. He, he, he's been known to, to frequent this show or this station on several occasions as well. Good evening, Zach Bailey. Good evening, Chris Warren. How are you? Doing my best, mate. Doing my best. I mean, um, I don't want to make light of any of that. A real sad day today with, with Chuck passing, um, and we, we've lost a few good men, haven't we, in, in, in a short space of time? Yeah, yep, we certainly have. I mean, you know, Arthur Summons, North Norm Proven, all these greats of the game that did so much for the game. And um, they came well before my time. But uh, working in the game for so long, you either meet them or you hear their stories or you hear stories about them. And they are just... The game wouldn't be what it is without these players that have laid the platform beforehand. And... Watching highlights of, you know, Johnny Raper this morning, I think a lot of people were saying, you know, he might not have been the biggest player on the field, but he was definitely uh, one of the smartest to ever play the game. And the impression that he's made will never be forgotten. Uh, you know, those premiership wins with the Dragons back uh, in the 50s and 60s, eight straight he was part of, they won 11 straight. So unrivaled, really, when you when you look at some of the things that he achieved in the game. And uh, I guess the, the top recognition that he's got 
is uh, being one of the original immortals, and no one will ever take that away from Johnny Raper. No, you're right. And I'm just seeing some um, he, one of his boys, Stuart Raper, who I, who I know reasonably well from my time over in the UK. Um, he's, he's he's spoken as well, and they're sort of saying, you know. Um, they got to see their dad before he passed, which is nice. Um, and basically saying they saw him more uh, more than a dad, a husband, a brother, or a grandfather. Um, he goes on to say we, we saw him as a legend too, which is uh, which is what he was, what he was. So uh, they should all be very, very proud of, of, of their dad. Um, a great man has gone. We uh, have got Rugby League back on the menu, uh, Zacho, uh, and it's only a matter of days away. The first game of the new season, uh, the Maori All-Stars and the Indigenous All-Stars match out there at Parramatta Stadium or Combank Stadium. Uh, you've been around uh, both camps, I believe, and I know that they've sort of had to you know, um, do things a little bit differently with, with COVID restrictions, so they haven't had all the fanfare that is normally part of All-Stars build-up. But still quite a buzz around around this first game of the new season. Yeah, thank God was, is what I'll yeah. say, that Rugby League is back this weekend. And it, it is such a great way to kick off the year. Uh, I mean, it's been around, what, for, for 10 or 11 years uh, since the Indigenous players used to play against the World All-Stars, which is when it all kicked yeah. off. And it was a great concept uh, born out of Preston Campbell's idea. And since then, it's just grown and grown. I was lucky enough last year to be part of both camps or basically stay with the teams in a mm. hub in Townsville. And you don't understand what it means to these players. When they, you know, it's easy mm. for them to say the culture and what, like, until you're actually immersed in it. And uh, the great Mark Hoddle that used to play for the, uh, the Parramatta Eels and Western Suburbs and obviously a Kiwi great, he basically took me under his wing last year and explained so many things. You know, every time they did something, this is what this means, and this is what this means, and this is why they do this harper, and this is what we yeah. created this. And on NRL.com, we were actually lucky enough that, from his understanding, we were the first television crew or whatnot, film crew to ever film behind the scenes of either like a Kiwi or a Māori haka before a, before a game. And... It was just incredible. Like, I mean, it, it's crazy to see it out there, but when, when you know the lessons behind it and seeing the players come together, um, it, it was truly special. But on to this year, yes, um, cannot wait. And especially for Sydney siders, like you and I was, we haven't mm. been to a live footy game since, what, May, June last year. So we've been absolutely starved of it for so long. So um, cannot wait for Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and... and- there has, you know, in years gone by, a real big build-up, and and they get out in the community. That's a big, big part of it. But what, you know, what you're saying, they, they it is just such a significant part of their life, their their heritage. So, and I've noticed too, Zach, and and I I don't pronounce um, Maori names, even Maori. I'm not even pronouncing right. And and Mark Horro, I would call Mark Horro, but I noticed that you've sort of taken on a. Um, more of a Maori type dialect when you pronounce those names out of respect. Is that something that you yeah. sort of picked up in your time in camp last year? Yeah, one hundred percent. I reckon you know maybe even fourteen months ago I might have still been saying saying Maori, mm. um, and and ever since literally being in camp with the likes of Mark and, and those guys, you understand what it means to the these players and. As a broadcaster, Chris, you'll get it. Like you, the one thing you want to nail is a name of a place, a name of a player, a name of mm. a group. Uh, everything around it, you might get wrong, but you don't care as long as you nail that. And it was actually funny. Like in, I was going around uh, the Maldi camp last year, 
just asking all the individual players, hey, do I say your name right? Mm. Is how you say it? Like, are we at a game saying it right? Mm. And that's when Charles Nickel Clockstad changed yes. to Charles Nickel Clockstar. Yeah. And it was all out of me going to him. I said, hang on a minute. Like, and he said, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry about it. You know, it's, yeah. it's okay. You know, it's all right. I, I don't really mind. I'm like, no, like, you need to say it and, like, have be proud for us to say your name right because there's been so many players in the past, you know, Ben Teo, classic example, like Ben Teo, you yeah. know, we should have been saying these players correctly. So mm. that's definitely a lesson that I learned out of it. And, um, I think as a game, we we can all we can all learn out of it because yes, it's going to be hard for people to change. And I still remember Canberra's first game last year, and it was, I think it was Brandy and Bossy calling it on yeah. Fox, and it was hilarious because yeah. every time Brandy had a crack at it, he would say a different pronunciation of Cookstar, 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 yeah. whatever it is. What's well, so but bloody hard, Zach? It's so hard when you're pronouncing it this way for so long, like Jordan Rapana. It's Rapana, and yeah. he makes his debut, doesn't he? An All-Stars debut uh, for the yeah. Ma- uh, Maori. Say Maori properly for me again. Well, the, the, be- the biggest lesson or what I've taken out of it, is I think of mouldy cheese, and it's not quite mouldy, but it's, Maori. it's, it's the mould. Yeah, the... It's it's roll. I can't get it Maury. completely correct because I can't do the 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 roll of the R. Uh, Nor can probably, I. Yeah. But I, I I just think of mouldy cheese and mouldy. So Maury. That's, that's how, okay. That's how I do it. So anyway. <laughs> no, you got me. I'm on board. I'm on board with that. Right, let's talk about some of the players, and I'm just looking through a bit of a preview here. Um, you know, we had a few players pull out, and we we get that all the time, don't we? This sort of time of the year. Uh, but Cronulla have got quite a big. A big combination, haven't they, with with, um, with the Indigenous All-Stars? So basically most of their, or three-quarters of their spine, Will Kennedy, Nico Hines and uh, Braden Trindle, uh, they're all starting yep. for the Indigenous side. I tell you what, that's a, a handy, handy, handy work for Cronulla heading into the new season. Yeah, and Craig Fitzgibbon, he'll be the uh, most engaged coach, I mm. believe, this weekend, just given he'd, he'd love to see how those... Uh, guys uh, combined through the middle, especially Will Kennedy and Nico Hines. Obviously, Matt Moylan is expected to start in the halves, and they've got Blake Braley and who've got to create their spine at club level. But to see Nico Hines and, and Will Kennedy in that environment, he'd be sitting back and hopefully loving what he sees. I, I was out at the Harvey Norman store in Penrith today, which is where they had their big fan activation, yeah. uh, where some of the players they kept the distance, but we spoke to a couple of them, and, and Nico Hines. Um, said that, you know, he'd already always heard these stories about being in camp, but hasn't or didn't really appreciate it until being in there. Now, he's only been in there since Monday mm. in his first All-Star, Indigenous All-Stars camp. And he said, when you know, when Josh Adokar would come back and say, this is the best week of your life, he, he now understands it. Like, he's genuinely loving every second of it, being around these guys. Um, you know, the David Fafita's, of the world, Andrew Fafita is in there as well. Josh Adokar reuniting with his Melbourne Storm teammate of, of the last few seasons. So he absolutely, um, he's, he's loving every minute of it. And I mean, yes, we would love to see more of the higher profile players like the Latrell Mitchells, who's obviously suspended, and other players, the Joey Manus of the world that have mm. been pulled out or clubs are being a little bit protective. Um, but we see 19 fresh faces this weekend. So that can only be good for the game as well. And just on the Cronulla link too, so they've got five involved, haven't they? So Jesse Ramian's there. And you, you touched on Andrew Fafita. I mean, that's a 
That's an amazing story we saw last year at the end of the season. Well, he, he fractured his, his larynx, I think it was, and he was in a induced coma for about five days. Uh, there were fears whether he would play the game again. But even prior to that, his last couple of seasons have been really uh, punctuated with, with severe injury. So do you think we'll get Andrew Fafita back to the Andrew Fafita we, we, we once saw a couple of years ago? If we're going to see the Andrew Fafita evolve in any game, I dare say it would be this weekend because this game means so much to him. And I've spoken to him uh, recently about, you know, being in camp, even even last year, and, and just he's one of the leaders and mm. of his side and he, he absolutely loves every second of, of being in camp. But I think, especially this year, given he is one of the elder statesmen, I mean, Josh Adokar's the captain of this team, um, but in terms of forward leaders, yeah, you know, Dave Fafita is great on an edge. Ryan James is in there as well. But Andrew Fafita will be going, hang on a minute, this is my pack to lead. And there's no doubt about uh, that he'll be giving it his best. Hopefully, as you mentioned, like he's coming back from a, what has been described as a life-threatening injury suffered back in August. Hopefully we see him back to some um, kind of form that saw him, you know, represent obviously rep teams. But just to see him playing consistent NRL this year would be great given what he's been through in recent years. Yeah, and the Maori team, they've got um, quite an impressive forward pack. So Andrew Fafita and co will will have their hands full. I think they do look the stronger team, though, the Indigenous team. Addo Carr captains uh, the Indigenous side. And we know Josh is the sort of the joker, don't we? But um, how has he taken on that responsibility? He, he's loving it. He actually said today when I interviewed him, I said, how did you find out? He said, I found out off Instagram. And I said, well, that kind of blew Laurie Daly's cover the coach. But uh, he's um, he said he's never captained any team in his life. I suppose it's a... It's a bit like James Tedesco, obviously a different level, but he was, you know, thrown into the deep end in origin level. Josh had okay, and this is a, a, a little bit more a fun and not, I dare say not, not as much on the line as, as origin in terms of uh, the, the the viewership and yeah. the spectacle. But to Josh had okay, this will mean as much as anything he's done in his career, I dare say, given how mm. much representing his people, his mob, the Indigenous Australians, the First Nations people, this will mean so, so much to him. So he said uh, he, he hasn't changed around camp. He's still the loud guy. Um, the jokes are still coming. But when when it's game day, it'll, it'll be all business. And I and I asked him, I said, what, what will your game day speech be like? You know, you're, you're there just before, a minute before the team runs out. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he said... It'll just be let's trot, baby, let's trot, which is one of his favourite go-to lines. Yeah, it probably will be. Good on him. Good on him. Josh Adekar leading out the Indigenous All-Stars. Talking to Zach Bailey from NRL.com. He's across the whole lot. Mate, thanks for your time. Just one more before you go. So, no Latrell Mitchell, but his brother's there in, in Shaq Mitchell. And I read an article, might have been yesterday or the day before. So, this boy, or man, 175 kilograms he was. He's, he's lost 150 kilograms and, and uh, he's down to 120. Quite an amazing story. Yeah, an amazing story. Um, Laurie Daly said that he did his research on him and asked a couple of people, Jason Demetrio, obviously the new um, South Sydney coach about him, and, and he just wanted to reward someone that had you know, put in the hard yards, I guess. And Greg Inglis, again, he was out there today, I spoke to him about Shaq, and he said, you know, uh, a lot of people are, you know, are saying, you know, whether his selection is warranted or not. But he said, just wait. He, just wait. I've worked with this guy and, and he's got some skills. So, I, to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of him, Chris. But uh, 
it's one of those stories. Can't wait to see him. I'll be tuning in this weekend definitely to see how Shaq goes. Well, there's still a lot of him to see. Let me tell you that, Zach Bailey. He's still a big, <laughs> he's still a big boy. Mate, I wouldn't want to tackle him, was. No, no, we'd find somewhere to hide. Find somewhere to hide. Mate, enjoy it all. Look, uh, we'll talk again soon. And thanks for, for taking some time to join us on Higher Ground tonight. No problems, Chris. Enjoy the footy this weekend. Thanks, champion. There he is, Zach Bailey, good fella from NRL.com. I uh, used to do a, a bit of work with Zach way back when in a in a previous life. Uh, we both uh, were working at, at Fox Sports. God, well, time flies, eh? Time it flies quite, when you're having fun, Chris. Quite a long time ago. Uh, we are going to talk to Roosters now. Uh, next, rather. We're going to take a quick break, if that's okay uh, with you. Uh, Tim, the tool man, has dropped us a text as well. G'day, Wire. Always enjoyed listening to the stories when you... Uh, have Rabs on, could listen to him all day. Uh, great little piece of audio too of, of uh, Chuck, uh, John Raper, before uh, we spoke to, to Ray Warren. Uh, rest in peace, Chuck Raper. Thank you, tool man. Um, Cowboy Dan, that's you. He hasn't done a lot of things in life. A lot of things no. he has not yes. done include drive a car or fish or surf. Um, and Willow from Windsor says, Cowboy Dan may not have driven a car or done the snowboard halfpipe, but... He has tipped a winner for the SEN listeners last Saturday afternoon. Yes, uh, Willow said in the text, uh, I think Jimmy thought he was throwing me under the bus, but he didn't. I said Frosty Rocks would win. It, Sorry? Frosty Rocks, okay. a horse won. Yes. And I text Jimmy and I said, did you listen? And he said, no. So he did not win any money off it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Take my tip. Good on you, Thank Frosty you, Rocks. A break and back with more. Alrighty, time now to uh, continue our, our series of NRL previews. We're doing it club by club as we count down to uh, the new NRL season. And uh, tonight we're going to look at the Roosters. We've already covered off Parramatta and Canberra. And uh, joining us uh, joining us now uh, from Roosters Radio, at least he's one part of the team from Roosters Radio. He knows everything there is to know about the club and a whole lot more. Bush, good evening to you. Good evening, mate. How are you? Mate, really well. Um, it doesn't seem like that long ago we were speaking, you know. Um, we were even going to have an off-season drink, which failed to materialise, so we'll have to try and uh, reschedule that for some for some time during the season. All good, mate. Ready to go. Ready to go. I mean, um, so what, Saturday night, first first real game, not the, not the season, but the, uh, the All-Stars game uh, to kick things off, and uh, it comes around pretty quickly, doesn't it? Mate, it's pretty exciting. I think what's exciting for the Roosters too, mate, is we've got uh, a couple of um, girls in the in the female and the Maori side. You know, they're going to go out there, and, and this year everyone's really excited about the uh, Harvey Norman uh, NRLW. And some mm. of the players and the, and the stand and the quality has just improved so much over the years. So it's it's like going back to the old days in the uh, in the late eighties when uh, you know the the green machine ruled with the Tigers, and you know it was so many great things to to look forward to. So, mate, footy kicks off this week, and uh, we get our, get our appetites wet. Hey, while we're talking about the All Stars, um, and the question without out notice. Well, all my questions are without notice because this is unscripted. We're always unscripted, you know that. Joey Manu and, and the club's decision. I guess it was the club's decision. Was it not to let him, not to let him play, or was he not right to play in in the All Stars match? Mate, from what we understand from our, our little position at Roosters Radio, it is uh, yeah, it's a decision that he wasn't quite ready um, for that with the injury sustained last year. We all saw what happened there; it was it was a tough one for mm. him. So, no doubt, coming back from that, um, you know, they just didn't want to, uh, you know, risk him. Uh, they want to start the season with a you know a, a full 
Steam mm. ahead team. Um, you know, I think as we all saw last year, how they performed, it's pretty exciting for uh, you know Roosters fans to see if we do get a full team on the paddock. So you know, Joey Munn is definitely part of that, and we don't want to risk him in an early game. Yeah, and I guess opinions a bit split by that, you know. But at the end of the day, um, the Roosters are, p- are paying Joey Manu a fair, fair few coins, um, and they've got to look after their their prized assets. But and if it, in their opinion he's not ready, well, you you got to go. I, I certainly I can respect that. I can respect that. However, I don't know if Joey said to them, "Fellas, I really, really want to play. Leave this decision to me." I'm not quite sure how it all. It all came about. Anyway, we'll move on, mate. Uh, I've been asking, you know, what, we'll ask you right now, what would be a successful season for the Roosters this year? And yeah, I know we all want to win premierships and a lot of people are tipping the Roosters actually to win the premiership. What would you see as success for, for 2022? Look, you know, we've learned over the years with uh, Coach Kent Robinson, mate, you, you don't look that far ahead. So, we also learnt that, you know, in the old days, you know, around the pub with your mates, it can be a mock. So we would love to get in the top four, mm-hmm. um, finish the season in the top four, and then it becomes a whole new series. He's always said that, uh, Coach Robinson. And the good news is, um, you know, that's what they're going to aim for, the boys, I'm sure, under his leadership. And but that's a successful season for us. And as Roosters fans, we all know, you know, the Parramatta fans should be thinking they're a big chance after they perform last year. and So they should. But I think you've got to get to the four to really give yourself that big chance. And then once you get there to the four, then you you know you've got to work on getting to the big dance, and really you're two games away from it. Mm. We'd we'd need more than we've got uh, right now to go through it. But in terms of last year and the injury list and and the retirements, I mean it, it was a horrendous year on that front. But um, the silver lining to all that was just the way the the team continued to battle on, and um, you got to the week two of the finals. Some would say I don't know how you got there, but you did. So I imagine one thing you will be hoping for is, um, I guess, the gods to be a little kinder. Oh, for sure, mate. You know, we, we don't want to have the type of injury run we had last year. I don't think no club, and, and as rugby league fans, I don't think anyone wants to actually uh, see that in any club. You know, you want to see the best players play every week. You'll want your team to play against the best players so you can measure yourself up and, and give yourself a real chance. If you do get that top four, uh, top four player, then you can actually sorry, top four position, mm. then you can actually have a real shot at it. So, yeah, we uh, we certainly want the uh, injury gods to be kind to us this year. And a couple of those key injuries last year, uh, well, I mean, you had about a dozen out there that you know, may would have probably all been first-choice selections. But Luke Keary and Lindsay Collins missed uh, pretty much all of the season. They'll come back into the side raring to go. Um, and then you've got the likes of Connor Watson, uh, which is, well, probably your only real... A key addition to the squad. Yeah, look, Connor Watson's going to be exciting to come back. He's been at the Roosters before, so you know, I think he knows the culture here. I think he knows what um, you know Robbo's going to expect of him, and I think he's come back a much better player and a much better leader and a, and a really solid first grader who can who can play any position. You know, playing with the likes of Carla Ponga up there, I think. You know, from a fan's perspective, mate, I mean, it was so good to watch those two just ply their craft. And then I think at the Roosters, he's going to enjoy, you know, young Sam Walker there. And, and you've got Luke Geary, you know, coming back full steam ahead. Um, you know, and I think with Teddy at fullback, there's going to be some exciting times for Connor. Where do you think he'll play? So he bulked up last year and, and took on the number 13, basically, and was you know, shuffled around a little bit. Um, what sort of, I guess he's, he's going to be utility value. I, I'm just wondering, will he fill in at the halves from time to time or... Or 13 if Victor's not there, or even number nine? 
I, I think that's the beauty of, of the choice that they've got with him. A player like him can play anywhere, you know. As I said, mate, we're, we're not the experts, we're the fans, but, mm. you know, and, and we get to get uh, close to them on Roosters Radio, and we, what we enjoy is just seeing them evolve and develop. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Connor in, um, in somewhere that's a little bit left field this year, but that's just my opinion as a Roosters fan, because I know he can play it. He can play 5'8", fullback, you know, hooker. He'd, he'd probably wear the fort on, to be honest. If a true rugby league traditionalist and, a, and, a, and an expert's going to say, mate, he's going to play 14, and, and I think that'd be good. But mm. you might find he might push Victor forward, um, bolster up that, you know, sort of second row with Satili and Vic. I mean, you know, you've got mm. youth experience, toughness, and then you've got speed of honour. It's, it's a really good problem to have. It's a fair-looking 13 or 17. Let, let's go through, you know, possible best 17, and, and you pull me up if I'm wrong, but Tedesco at the back, your wingers, Tupo and, and probably Suwali. Centres Joey Manu and Momorowski. We'll chat about him a bit as well. Uh, Luke Keary and Sam Walker. Um, Jared up front with Lindsay Collins. Verrills will start the season at number nine, I believe. Uh, Tupanura, as you've touched on there, with Angus Crichton um, in the back row with Victor Radley at 13. And then your bench probably looks like uh, Watson. Um, then you've got Egan Butcher, who had a really good breakout season, didn't he? Uh, Takeaho. And uh, well, on this list here, maybe a run off a Tony. Um, and could, others, others knocking could, on the door. And, and you know the beauty of the depth they've got there, and, and don't, don't discount Egan Butcher having another break, or, you know, breaking out mm. even further this year, you know, getting that game time and experience. But uh, mate, I think you're spot on. I think that will be. I mean, I think from our perspective, you know, on paper, that's the best seventeen. Sam Verrills. Uh, you know, he's got a few more smooth. Sorry, Bush. Sam Verrills. A few years ago, or a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah, he had a really big season. He's had a lot of injuries. He, uh, I guess, will be hoping to get back to his best, but he'll also, I imagine, be looking over the shoulder, um, given you've got um, another key signing joining the club um, next year in, in Brandon Smith. Yeah, I think so. I think Sammy will definitely... I mean, the good news about Brandon as well, I mean, I don't know much the way he plays at, at nine, but again, he's so versatile and, 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 you know, a bit of a utility. But, yeah, Sammy's... You know, had that breakout season, had that great grand final. I mean, it was all the world was at his feet. And I think um, the transition was from Jake to him, and then Jake got injured, and then he had his own problems. So um, he's, you know, he's not hit the form that he had, uh, you know, in the grand final year. But um, don't discount him, mate, because he's a great young player, plenty of skill and, and building experience. So I think he will have his, you know, anyone would be crazy to say he hasn't got it, you know, look, look over the shoulder a little bit with someone like the quality of Brandon Smith coming to the club. But... I know the way Robbo works. If uh, if you're, um, mm. you're good enough, you play. Yeah, absolutely. You touched on well, we touched on Connor Watson, uh, and he, you know, he he's coming back to the club. Another player that is coming back to the club, and I do forget that is Paul Momorowski. So um, I think he would have began his career with the Roosters, uh, would he not? He spent time at a few other clubs, particularly um, at Penrith. He's going to return a much better player for you. Uh, look, they've, the rise and rise. We had uh, Paul Momorowski on Roosters Radio. Uh, I think he made his debut that year, and he was also very, very handy in our uh, in the Development 21 side uh, yeah. back then, and, and uh, 20s, I should say. And he is just a standout player, and you see the quality of his football at Penrith and his experience shown through. He always had the talent, and I think he showed that playing for the Panthers. And uh, to come back and just be in that centre position, it's, a, it's a, again, a great acquisition for the club. Sammy Walker, we've touched on him, but this will be uh, year two for him. So he learned a whole lot when he was thrown in the deep end last year. One other player that I think we're all, well, Roosters fans, particularly Bush, um, are really looking forward to see his develop development is Joseph Suwali. Yeah, what an athlete, what a talent, you know. And, and I think that 
we got glimpses last year. Then he had that uh, Liz Frank foot injury or, or the foot injury that mm. kept him out. And he's just, uh, you know, he's continuing to grow. He's only, I mean, everyone forgets how young he is. You know, he's only a pup. So, mm. um, you know, to see him come on and get that experience, he took to it like a duck to water. They tested him a bit. It's only Walker the same, you know. He, he's just uh, come out of the box. And I, I tell you what, he can take a hit, Sammy Walker, and I think the club are going to do everything they can to continue to develop him because he has got so much talent and skill. It wouldn't surprise me in two or three years you're seeing him as an origin halfback. Mm. All right, Bush. Well, I've taken up enough of your time. How's Silky doing? Is he going okay? Mate, he's currently... Silky's actually currently at a day spa. He's just sunning himself with a couple <laughs> of cucumbers in the eyelids preparing because he does all his social media stuff and doesn't mind putting himself on there. But, mate, is the uh, longest-serving ball boy in the ball boy in the team of the century <laughs> with a record like that, mate. He's taken the field uh, more times than any other ball boy. You've got to be proud, I think. Uh, just picturing it. Picturing it now up there at that, that day spa. All right, mate. We'll chat, chat again soon. Good luck with the season, hey? And, um, and, and good to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us on Higher Ground. Right. Loving the show. Well done. Keep going because it's, uh, it's great for the fans. Oh, brilliant stuff, mate. Um, we'll promote you, boys. You promote us and uh, we'll we'll scratch each other's back. Well, you can scratch Silky's. I'm staying right out of that. <laughs> Done that before. Sorry, All right. Uru, Uru, there he is. Bush, uh, one part of Silky and Bush on Roosters Radio. Um, for Roosters fans, so uh, you open the season um, against the Knights, don't you? Then you take Manly game to Gosford um, and then you've got South Sydney and then a trip to uh, to Townsville in round four. All righty, we'll, uh, we'll keep cracking on on higher ground. Um, remember, if you want to be part of the show, you can have your say, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. or if you want to send a text through Roosters fans. Uh, as I asked Bush there, what do you see um, will be successful? What What is a success for your club in 2022? Let me know, 0457 736 736. And I hope you're well. Uh, keep those texts coming through. Uh, this one from uh, from Jason. Uh, thanks, Jason, for sending it through. Uh, g'day, Chris. I thought I'd bring to your attention that there is talk on Twitter to move the round three Dragons v Sharks from Wollongong to Cogra and play it on the Sunday so that uh, Johnny Raper and Norm Proven can be given a proper send-off by fans of both clubs as both played for the Dragons and had involvement with uh, the Sharks. Jace from Sydney. Well, I'm not sure about that, Jace. I'm just looking on the web. So um, what they are doing, however, uh, the Dragons will commemorate um, the life and career of, of both Johnny Raper and Norm Proven uh, on March 18. So that's their uh, round two match against the Panthers at uh, at Jubilee, Cogra Jubilee, March 18. They will be doing that there. I haven't heard anything about the round three match being changed from uh, Wollongong um, to Cogra. Um, but we'll keep our eyes across that as well. Thanks, Jace, for, for getting in touch. And also, uh, this one, uh, g'day, Chris. Love the banter between Rabs and Gus on the footy. Rabs sounds like he doesn't suffer fools. I love him on uh, Channel 9 Football. Uh, he's the best, Steve, from Padstow. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Rabs joined us um, earlier, about an hour ago, uh, talking um, about Johnny Raper. Stick around, a break, and back with more. Okay, time now for the rewind on higher ground, where we look back at some of the uh, the big stories across the station uh, from today, and a couple of them we will replay them in full for you, just in case uh, you didn't hear them live. We'll start with mornings, and on a Wednesday, Andrew Webster joins Matty White to talk all things sport, in particular rugby league. Now, this morning they discussed all the key issues in the game, including the use of forward pass technology, uh, possibly soon to come into the game. Okay, let's move on to some issues in rugby league. I loved your article yesterday. Um, and by the way, don't send me an invoice because I use most of it in my show. I read a lot of it uh, out to our good. listeners nice. about yeah, the forward gold. pass 
technology. And I like the fact that you've you've just said very clearly we don't we don't need any more rules we don't need any more complexity we don't need any more stoppages but where does this leave somebody like graham annesley in the middle of it if he's out there on a monday morning um introducing more rules and coming up with the technology or uh, um, putting the technology in place however if it's not there and a game's decided by a blatant forward pass he's the one that has to try and defend it well a few things one rugby league is a simple game for simple people and particularly simple reporters um, it's also a game, and, and the, for that reason, that's why we love it. That's why we love it, because it's not rugby union. It's, it's a free-flowing sport, and over the last few years, the game has tried to slow it down through not adequately, or starting with not adequately addressing the wrestle situation that's been going on since the mid-2000s. Uh, that was tried to be rectified. That was tried to be rectified during the pandemic with a shutdown with uh, the six to go rule brought in. Then we sped it up even more with um, six to goes for offside. Now we've brought in the forty meter rule to try and put a band aid on the um, on the fallibility of the six to go rule. And then on top of laid on top of all this, they're trying to they're discussing and trialing microchip technology for forward passes when. We've, shouldn't the referee and the touch judges? That is what they're for, to call that, make those calls, to make those fundamental calls in the game. And if you put them, I, I just don't know how the technology is going to work. I really don't. I, I don't know where the fifty fifties are going to come when there's a flat pass at a dummy half, like if it errs to a couple of millimeters in front, is that, are they going to pull that up? How, like I just think it's got a. I just think we're trying to complicate a really, really simple game. And um, uh, the game doesn't need more stoppages. It doesn't need more interference from the match officials. It just needs the match, match officials to govern the game as per the rules properly. That's all it needs. It doesn't need, it doesn't need all I these other hem. It doesn't need all these hem, all these, all these um, other uh, layers put on top of it to try and slow mm. it down because then that stops it from being the thing that it is, the greatest game of all, rugby league. Well, look, I agree with you on the fact that we don't need any more stoppages. I think that the game owes it to everybody to look at the technology. But, by the way, it was pointed out to me yesterday, it's very hard to get microchips at the moment. Very, very difficult. Try and buy a new TV at the moment. Yes, there's a worldwide global shortage. So, Graham Annesley might be onto something here. He might have a stash that we don't know about. But I think you've got to look at the technology. But I think everybody would agree that this technology, and to your point, where's the error margin on this? Why don't we why don't we utilize the calls that we've got at the moment and how on earth can you really police it what will the technology tell us so I think it might be a good idea in principle to look at it mm. I don't think it should end up but stopping the game they pull up, at all They pull up too many as it is they pull up the flat cut out yes. pass yes. which is you know one of the most beautiful things in rugby league 9 times out of 10 a beautiful flat cut out ball from from the playmaker onto the center's chest or the winger's chest they pull it up anyway it's like, you know, <laughs> they need to be giving uh, they need to be giving the benefit of the doubt more on, on those type of passes. The ones that I can't cop is just like there's just been a trend that's come into the game in the last few years, um, where where the dummy half just basically throws the ball forward half a meter onto onto a uh, onto a onto a big forward's chest. That seems to just happen with impunity more and more with each season. That that's and anyone who watches the game understands that. So I don't know why the ref. And this is happening when there was two referees. Why the referees can't be more vigilant about that type of stuff? Instead of pulling up um, innocuous 
crusher tackles that aren't crusher tackles and then awarding a penalty or putting someone in the bin for 10 minutes and then getting two weeks and making sure that we have, you know, big names out of the game for a couple of, of weeks. I think they're more fundamental issues than, than trying to stuff around with gimmicks like microchips in footballs. Reese Walsh, the rumours continue to swirl that um, the Dolphins could pick him up. What are you hearing? Are you hearing anything about this or mm-hmm. is it just chatter? I think it's just chatter at the moment, to be honest. Uh, Reese Walsh, uh, definitely Kalen Ponga. Um, I think uh, from my discussions with the Dolphins and, and Wayne Bennett is they're not panicking whatsoever. Um, people seem to think they're going to miss the boat. There'll be a flood of players onto the market middle of the year. It happens every single season. I know there was a, a big rush on November 1 last year, but if they just hold their nerve, then I think players are going to pop up and they won't have to pay overs for them. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I'm, you couldn't speculate on Reese Walsh, and particularly Kalen Ponga. Yeah. Um, we're going to touch on the Jason Talmalolo press conference from yesterday after the 9.30 news. So we'll get your opinion on that one and, and what position um, are they going to find themselves in if they don't want to answer those questions? How do we, we... What, are we just going to go round and round in circles? But we'll do that after the 9.30 news. Before that, let's take a call from the Southern Rooster from Wodonga. Good morning, to you, uh, forward pass technology, what do you think about that in the first place? Uh, well, yeah, I've got a couple of things that I just um, I want to ask is about racing as well. But uh, the forward pass, Aussie born up on Aussie rules, but I've been watching the league for 30-odd years now. It's a lot better sport than AFL. But um, he, uh, I always believe that if your hands move backwards, but the ball floats forward, that's not a forward pass. But this technology will say it is because the ball will move forward. Is, is that not a rule? I thought it's your that, is rule. that is the rule. That is the rule. That is the rule. But but Anesley made made it clear the other day that that's the that's the the, the vagary of the rule that the technology is going to have to try and pick up. How that happens, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not We love technology. That they will pick that up for sure. Mm. But uh, but the other thing I want to bring up, which I was going to ring up about, is um um this race that uh, this new two million dollar race. I've got. A micro share in a very average horse that was going to Tumbarumba um, two weeks ago. It got rained out for the second year in a row. Um, I'm just wondering, with all these big races that he keeps putting on, showboat and everything, what happens to these little clubs that, and the little trainers and the little fellas? Because that, do they get the money that was allocated for the prize money to that race day, or where does that go? Like, because you know, I'm talking to a couple of the people who are going to camp up there, a couple of us. And talking to the president and the, sec- the old secretary, they're really struggling. They, you know, they, they're going to hurt by um, abandoning. They call it a postponement, but it looks like it can be abandoned that race day, their, their cup day. I'm just kind of wondering where, are they getting looked after on this um, Peter Valandi's quest to upset Victorians? Well, <laughs> it's a pretty good way to put it. Thanks, Rooster. Look, I, I assume that if a, a race is postponed or abandoned, then the money just stays where it's where it is, and it's regenerated into another race further down, or or still sits in the pot. And we'll we'll talk about the big dance in just a sec. But I think the opportunity here for the two million dollar race is to get more eyeballs onto Sydney. There's no question about that. Upset the apple cart with Victoria, no question about that. But there are going to be 25 country cups around New South Wales, which will be used as qualification races for the big dance. So that lifts the profile of country racing and probably puts more into the kit as well when there's more betting on Sydney racing on Cup Day. Um, Andrew Bensley will join us at 11.30, daylight saving time, to speak about this um, and the new race, of course. That uh, official confirmation, 
I mean, it's going to come out at 9.30, but when you're all over the front page of the telly with it, I don't know why you need a press conference in the first place. Just on the technology, Weber, John from Miranda says, if the technology doesn't slow the game down, then we need to seriously look at it. How good was the Australian Open tennis with no linesman and Hawkeye on every call? Well, the lines don't move, do they, in tennis? You're just tracking a ball that's hitting something. Um, or not hitting something, and that is a line. So it's a very different scenario in rugby league. Look, I, I agree. Look, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, and I just think, you know, the, the video referee was brought in about almost 26 years ago to the day, would you believe, uh, Matthew? Um, wow. at the At the World Nines in Townsville around this time, 26 years ago. Uh and while in many ways it's been a great asset for the game, it has created a whole stack of questions and controversies that um, that those who implemented that technology never saw coming. Um, uh, they put a $2 million bunker in place in Everly, and to justify that, they broadened the powers of the of the uh, the video referee. And you have to say it has created just as many uh, problems as it solved. Now, I think the video referee, like a lot of people, should just be used for what happens in the end goal. That should be the end of it. Um, but what, does that justify a $2 million spend per year? Probably not. Matty and Webby, the rooster says, why can't they just leave the game alone? I'm over all the rule changes, including the six-again rule, which I think is a farce. Now they want to add more confusion by putting a microchip in a footy. Leave me out of it, please. You must have read Webby's article yesterday. The Pearl's got a different take on it. Maybe this is actually the new NRL TV deal. Graham Annesley has acquired a massive supply of microchips for this forward pass trial, knowing it'll be vetoed, allowing him to sell them for an inflated price for TVs. It's absolute genius. 0457 736 736 is the text line, or you can give us a call, 1300 01 1170 on the open line. The NRL All-Stars match is this Saturday night. We'll cover off that. I want to talk to you about Super Bowl as well, Webby. And after the news, Jason Talmalala's press conference yesterday and his vaccination status leaves more questions out there than answers. Yeah, good to hear from the boys there. And I'm sure we are going to uh, hear a lot more about this over the next few months or so. Welcome back to the Rewind on Higher Ground. And this morning, Matt White spoke with SEN racing expert Andrew Bensley on the newly announced The Big Dance, horse race to be held in Sydney on the same day as the Melbourne Cup. Well, the talking point outside of rugby league is right now firmly in the corner of racing and the big dance and everything that's gone around it. Let's get the thoughts of this man, Andrew Bensley, live. You can hear him on SEN track or on the SEN app Monday to Thursdays from 8 through to 11. And, of course, the Sydney Racing Stable on 11.70 on Saturday mornings with Michelle Bishop. Your reaction, Benz? Good morning. Oh, no, it's fantastic, uh, Matt. It's just what racing continues to thrive for. You know, I, I've been out to Riverside the last three days for the classic sale and, uh, you know, increases of 30% in uh, the amount of money that had to be paid for yearlings. And that flows through from what we've seen, uh, not only created by Racing New South Wales, but around Australia, that there's there's just so much confidence in the thoroughbred world. It's been the one constant, Matt, through it all, through all the terrible times of the last two and a bit years. We've been able to watch racing, listen to it, uh, and and just enjoy it for something that we've been really, uh, you know, looking for in this poor time that we've been in. So I think uh, Racing New South Wales should be, uh, you know, thanked uh, by the participants for everything that they've done and these new announcements. And 
And I think not only, you know, we can talk about the $2 million races, Matt, but I think for, you know, the country listeners uh, who might own horses out in the country, prize money increases in country and provincial, I think are nearly equally as important. Absolutely. And I just detailed the rest of the announcement. I mean, the big dancers grabbed all the headlines, but the investment into Warwick Farm, for instance, um, the uplift in prize money um, annually of $27 million, the incredible amount that's going back into owners uh, and, and participants in the sport is just amazing. But... A lot of people, Ben's, will look at this and go, hang on a sec, this is just Peter Volandis and Racing New South Wales taking another whack at Racing Victoria and Flemington and VRC and the sacrosanct Melbourne Cup. What do you make of that argument? No, look, I, I don't agree with that. I think that Peter has positioned... Uh, I, I, I've said it this morning a few times, Matt. I think all that talk is just simply crap. I think that uh, as a racing follower... We are getting so much attention on racing right now for the right reason that uh, we're, we're pretty proud of what we've got right now around Australia, not only New South Wales, but people want to be in racing. And uh, uh, go and travel to other parts of the world that uh, race, even the UK and America. Mate, their prize money is terrible. And there are a lot of people that are based around the world that want to buy into Australian racing. And that's come through in the sales that we've seen so far this selling season. They want to come and be a part of it because we are proud of what we've got and the prize money levels are there. Um, There is, out of this, no doubt, everyone's going to be looking at Racing Victoria. They're at a time where they're going to get a new CEO. There's suggestions there could be a new chairman as well. So there's going to be a changing face of Racing Victoria and the pressure will be on them. But their turnover is still pretty good as well. So why yeah. can't they, you know, if they want to look at improving things? Well, they've got no reason not to. Turnover's absolutely there. Is the young audience there? I, I know they made a big shift, especially out of the Victorian Racing Club, to angle the Melbourne Cup Carnival in particular across the four days to a younger audience, which is exactly what Racing New South Wales has been trying and succeeding in doing. I don't know if they've succeeded so far in that down there at Flemington. So it begs the question, do they have to react in any way, do you think, to this move? I think that the All-Star Mile is the race, Matt, that they've put a lot of emphasis in. Uh, It's a race that this year uh, is back at Flemington. Uh, You know, it's a race that the general public can play a role in through voting uh, for their favourite horse that they might want to see run in the All-Star Mile. But I think there needs to be, uh, again, I I think that Racing Victoria, if they are looking at this, I think it is the country prize money that needs to be monitored. I think it needs to be looked at on a continual basis because that's where the majority of horses, you know, go and they've got to win a sequence of races before any chance of coming to Melbourne to run in a good quality race if that dream comes alive. So I think that country and provincial prize money is the one that, all states need to nail and get it right. Uh, it's all right to have the $2 million races like the five diamonds for the five-year-olds and, and the big dance and things. But I think that uh, to make everyone happy, I think those lesser grade horses need to be carried. And maybe that's where Racing Victoria need to look at.
Yeah, and, and you're right. They are looking at a new CEO, so perhaps somebody who can get in there and shake things up because that's what Peter Volandis is certainly doing. Good on you, Ben. Thanks for your thoughts this morning. Good on you. Thanks, Matt. Have a good day. Andrew Bensley there. You can hear him on SEN Track uh, tomorrow morning. Back into it at 8 o'clock, 8 till 11, or just get on the SEN app. And don't forget the Sydney Racing Stable with Michelle Bishop and Benz live right here on 1170 SEN Saturday mornings from 8 until 9 o'clock. I've got a text here saying, Matt, re Warwick Farm. Great course being done again. World-class auction facilities in Inglis Hotel. How about fixing the on-course facilities one of the fastest growing areas and nothing done to facilities in years and a young demographic in the area. Well, I've got to admit, I haven't been out to Warwick Farm in eons. Um, I haven't, I don't know what the facilities are like at the moment. And obviously they're looking at injecting $6 million into the course. But if you're telling me that the on-course facilities are not up to uh, scratch, and especially for the younger demographic, which um, demands fancy stuff basically (laughs) and stuff that's done right then you're dropping the ball there so absolutely if you can invest into the course you should be investing into the facilities because it's all about the experience now it's about making sure that you can get in and out of a place quickly it's about making sure that you can get to the bar quickly you can get to a punt Um, the young audience is cashed up and they want a return for their spend so let me know if you've got any more thoughts about Warwick Farm. I haven't been out there, like I say, for a long, long time. Does it need a spruce up? Is it another part of this puzzle? Because one thing we do know about Peter Volandis, especially racing New South Wales and, of course, through rugby league as well, is uh, if you dr- beat the drum loud enough, they listen. And they've been listening here to the fact that there's a market of young uh, demographic. There's a market wide open to tap into, and they've done it and they're doing it again. Now that market will tell them what they want, and they'll deliver it. An extraordinary day for racing in Australia. More eyeballs, more money in the pot. The fact that it's on Melbourne Cup Day will put some people out of, um, put some noses out of joint down there in Victoria, but it's not up against the Melbourne Cup. However, it is up against the coverage of the Melbourne Cup, which is spread out across the whole day. So, The broadcasters won't be happy that there's another race potentially on another network straight after the biggest race of the day. Great to hear from Andrew Bensley there. And uh, we'll have to see how the momentum, I guess, and the popularity of the race will build over the next few years. But Peter Vlandis, you've got to hand it to him. Uh, He certainly is an innovator. Welcome back to the Rewind on Higher Ground. And to finish the night, Joel and Fletch were back for the run home this afternoon and were joined by superstar Sonny Bill Williams, who joined them from the UK. Correspondent over in the Northern Hemisphere, Brian. A superstar. Superstar. Top billing. Without further ado, I'm pleased to say he's on the line. He's got a big fight coming up. His name is Sonny Bill Williams. G'day, Sonny. Joel and Fletch. How are you, legends? Good, mate. So, Sonny, tell us whereabouts you are now. I'm in Ireland at the moment, Fletch. Um, a long way from home. So yeah. I came over here for a six-week camp. Um, I spent a bit of time with Tyson Fury and Joe Parker. Now I'm over here doing some training with uh, Andy Lee. He's a former middleweight world champion. Uh, he's Tyson Fury's cousin, so working hard. But um definitely miss my wife and my kids and you know, come March 23, I'm going to have to uh, take those frustrations out. Inshallah, God willing, how I'm being married. Oh, I like their fighting <laughs> words. Hey, Sonny, was, uh, how was the, how was it meeting, or have, I, I don't know if you've met Tyson Fury before, but how was he? Because he's such 
he's such a character. Did you actually did you spar with him, or was it just more so pad work and stuff? Uh, we did some uh, body sparring, quite a bit of body sparring actually. Um, but you know, to be honest, he's he's a gentleman. He's a really really good guy, uh, and he welcomed me in because he knows I'm close with Joe Parker. He just welcomed me in like I was one of their close mates. So, and I was in the, in the sanctum and got to train alongside him and go for runs and um, yeah, he's uh, for me the, the biggest take that I took from that uh, experience was. You know, besides all the attributes he has in the boxing ring, it's his mentality going into a fight. I think that's his biggest strength. So, um, yeah, it was a great experience. This fight with Barry Hall, and you mentioned the 23rd of March, Sonny. Now, when Paul Gallen fought Barry Hall, in his press conference, he referred to Barry as two-minute noodles. Noodles. Is he after the two-minute rounds as well, or is he going to go to three this time, Sonny? Nah, we're doing eight, eight threes. So, you know, but he's had a long time to prepare. Uh, as he said in the press conference, he's been wanting to fight for like the last six months. So he's been training and training and training. So he's been probably like um, Rocky Balboa up in the mountains. <laughs> Barry. So, uh, but, you know, the great thing about this fight is you're going to have two, two guys um, that are going to be prepared as physic- uh, physically prepared as they can be. It's just going to be a battle of who's the best fighter. Uh, it's a 50-50 fight. You know, Barry likes to say, oh, um, you know, Sonny's got all the experience on this and this, but he grew up boxing. I didn't grow up boxing. You know, he's an amateur fighter, corn gloves fighter. Um, and, and he, you know, a lot of people say he won that fight against Gale. Um, so, you know, it's a massive challenge for me. It's a, like I said, 50-50 fight, but, you know, without challenges... There'd be no growth, you know, without being putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations. There'd be no growth, and that's why I'm here in sunny Ireland, firing <laughs> <laughs> against some Irish, good Irish lads. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been great. Hey, Sonny, t- tell us about the nerves, because playing footy, oh, yeah. you, you get and the two minute bell comes on, you get a little bit nervous. But at least you've got twelve or fourteen blokes, depending on what code you're on next year. What are the nerves like for you? Is it any different going into a, going into a ring? Well, obviously, you don't have 12 other blokes or 14 other blokes uh, to back you up when you want to hide on that short side like uh, you used to do. Only because I knew you were going to run at me, so I was going to whack you, get under your ribs, (laughs) flog you. Oh, please. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, But, yeah, you know, the the difference is there. It's totally different sports. Yes, they're both physical sports, but um, the thing I'm learning is you can hit the pads and, and look as pretty as you want on the pads uh, or hit the heavy bag and look as pretty as you want. But doing it under pressure, sparring is where you get the um, the gains. So for me, I've been doing a lot of sparring over here, um, working on my craft, really. You know, I just love it. Um, you know, Paul Gallen says he's a prize fighter where he fights for money, solely for money. But for me, I know that stuff will come, but, you know, I, I, I just enjoy the challenge, Fletch, you mm. know, and, um, to be able to do it at, at my age, 36, to still able to be passionate about something and, you know, kind of um, transition out of sport altogether while scratching that itch that um, I haven't scratched before and, and doing boxing, um, solely concentrating on boxing, it's, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But like you said, the pressure that comes with it is enormous. Getting in the ring is enormous. It's a different challenge. It's a different beast. But I love to walk towards it, bro. You know, it's um, 
I love to walk towards it because I know the growth once you get out, come out the other side is is, is massive as well. So, so Sonny, um, what's... Willing, it'll, it'll be a success. Sonny, I know you're going to say just taking one, one fight as, at a time, but what is your goal? Because anything you've, you've ever done, you've done it and you've succeeded. What What is your goal in boxing? Um, I want to give it 24 months of, you know, 24, 24 months of my heart and soul, and I just want to at the end of the month, at the end of that, and uh, sit there and say, look, I'm, I can actually scrap, I can actually fight, <laughs> you know, I, I'm actually a boxer. So in that journey, yeah, Barry, um, I'm, I'm sure Paul Gallen will be a part of that. Um, even if he is retired, I know he'll come out for the big bucks. <laughs> um, but you know, there, there's there's a lot of fights on my level out there, but for me, it's about it's about me um, just proving to myself that I can do this. So, uh, like I said, at my age, I'm grateful to be able to be able to do something like this. So I got the I got the uh, all go from the wife, so that was amazing. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I love this. So let, let's get a Tri Nations. Uh, let's get Barry Hall, Sonny Bill Williams, Paul Gallon. Uh, Why is that a Tri Nations? Well, Tri Tri Series. Try series. Sonny could play first. Are you saying Sonny's going to be? They ha- ha- they all play each other. I think that'd be fascinating. But anyway, Sonny, we've got to go, mate. And and by the way, I, I did not uh, miss you turning up to the under-13s over there in Dublin, surprising this young rugby side. Well done on that. Uh, we will chat uh, before the fight. That's March 23rd with Barry Hall. Sonny Bill Williams, thank you for your time here on SEN. All right, Ed, you take care. All right, thanks a million. Thanks a million. That's Good a luck. Oh, tanks yeah. Tank, no, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks a million. <laughs> thanks a million. Well, that just about does it for me. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Again, thanks to uh, to all of our guests uh, who are kind enough to uh, give up their time. Bush from the Roosters and, and Rabs as well, who stayed up way past his bedtime. Hope you've enjoyed it, and I will see you again on the weekend. Until then, keep smiling. Goodbye.